So, do you like podcasts? Do you like movie podcasts? Yes! 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 If so, check out All Things Film, a collection of the best film, TV and movie podcasts on the internet. Groovy. Film Rave. It was only a pound. The podcast on Fire Network, Daily Grindhouse, Mass, Movie Side, UK, and of course, Film Sploitation. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. What? Anyway, all the best podcasts, film and TV related, under one roof. That's all things film. Boys and girls, go back to your studies. Believe me, nothing in life is free. Well, oak and dread, Batman. All Things Film is 100% free. And you can find out more on iTunes, search All Things Film, or online, allthingsfilm.thefilmpodcast.co.uk. Oh, sorry, I think I must have pressed the wrong button. Is anyone left? Toto? I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Welcome to Taiwan War 11 on Virago and the Anger. And uh, we wish to, or I rather, wish to cover the following movies anyway. But now that we're, you know, along the way, but now that we're stumbling upon same actors and filmmakers again and again, uh, this particular show afforded me to um, get it done kind of quick. The, the work needed to get this particular show was reduced because we've focused and done bios on the involved director and actresses uh, in these two movies. We've done focus on actress Elsa Jung. We've done a focus on director Richard Chen. So the biographies were done and we're not going to repeat any of them. So it's a Taiwan war quickie in a way as we cover 1981's Virago uh, or Virago, if you will. I still don't know how to pronounce that, but um, or but the uh, the more more common re common retitle of it, uh, if you look at this movie, is Deadly Silver Angels. That is the IFD retitle of this 1981 gangster actioner, starring Elsa Jung training women in bikinis to stab the fuck out of men. <laughs> because that's what you do, as opposed to after you're trained in bikinis. And, well, you stab the fuck out of men in tight hot pants. And you, and you do a lot of backbends, apparently, too, mm-hmm. on the beach. Because why wouldn't you? you know? Well, yeah, it, absolutely. So. As you do, yes. <laughs> and in the second half, we'll be covering Richard Chen's The Anger, the Lu Xiaofan thriller that was the basis for the IFD cut-and-paste movie Inferno Thunderbolt, or as you should pronounce it, Inferno Thunderbolt! <laughs> I have to admit, I was really disappointed that Inferno Thunderbolt was not the name of Richard Harrison's character in this movie. Like it's both his first and last name. What, what do you yeah, call him? No, a it, Thunderbolt. Inferno. Thunderbolt. Right, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is a job that only Inferno Thunderbolt can handle. Oh, that would be like pure sex right yeah, there. Absolutely. Just on the name name basis alone, like uh, Richard. 
you you just have to turn up with your mustache yeah. and I think that yeah, I think that on top of the mustache, they decide even even the IFD people decided that the name Inferno Thunderbolt on top of the mustache and just his pure Richard Harrisonness would be just too much of a of a of a panty melter, you know. It would just be too, you know. It was just for dude, too for much. dudes and girls to do for dudes and for girls. For dudes I'll, and girls, yeah. I'll readily admit that that would be like wow. Yeah. Intriguing. Yes, exactly. <laughs> So that's um, it's uh, directed by the anger that is the source movie by Girl with the Guns Richard Chen. That is a movie also known as Fury in Red and also known as the Taiwanese ripoff of uh, or slash sort of remake of Abel Ferrara's excellent rape revenge thriller Miss Forty Five that we've covered on Taiwan War prior. So that's uh, the Richard Chen history uh, set up. So uh, so with the basic ed- episode set up, therefore. I'm Kenny B, and with me again is, as you heard, 4DKs plus all his other endeavors, Todd Statman. So say hi, buddy. Hi, how's everybody doing today? I know you can't answer me. I'm just going to assume you're all doing doing fine. Uh, yeah, it's a friendly reach out to, to listeners. Like, he yeah. cares about us. Yes, go yeah, hi, just, Todd. <laughs> yeah, just pretend I'm reaching out and, like, you know, scratching the rough of your neck gently, you uh-huh. know, giving you a little shoulder rub. That's what we're all about here. Yeah, yeah, getting ready to watch uh, women in bikinis uh, train and uh, stab men, you know. So, yes. Uh, yeah, so get comf- comfy, yeah. everybody. Yeah, do your back bends and uh, and your and your uh, yeah your bikini yoga just to get relaxed for this episode. Mm-hmm. I know we have. So into Virago, Virago we go. But first of all, some contact information. This is Taiwan War on the Podcast on Fire Network website, podcastonfire.com, where this show, all the other shows and the bonus episodes are present and uh, ready for consumption. Email for feedback, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash POF Network. Discuss with us on Facebook in our discussion group. Uh, find it by typing in Podcast on Fire Network in the Facebook search bar or follow the link on that uh, like uh, page that I just told you about. And tweet us at twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. So goodreviews.com is my website where there is a lot of focus on Taiwanese movies and ninja exploitation and cut and paste exploitation in general. So this episode is very much uh, a so good reviews uh, themed episode in a way. Or this show rather is, uh, is that it's uh, kind of my passion to write about these sort of on the fringe, but uh, vo- currently voiceless uh, movies, if you will. And uh, that's so goodreviews.com. I also do little video reviews at sleazykvideo.com. Mini commentaries on movies or mini reviews on movies, uh, spoken words. So you don't need to, you don't have the uh, uh, unfortunate, uh, unfortunate uh, misfortune rather to see me on camera. But um, who knows? That might change. You know? uh, it would just put, put pressure on me to like, uh, how, if I'm going to be on camera, I need to have a mohawk up every time mm. like sometimes it's a little bit of a drag to uh pull that out uh, just because but uh, who knows uh because you could do an easy on-camera review show as well like keep it really really simple i know the silver spleen has uh, certainly inspired me of a channel that sean tierney runs to um maybe that's the way to do it like maybe that's the way to upgrade it so, because i'm certainly not trying to become uh the nostalgia critic or anyone like that, like in terms of production values. Uh, mm-hmm. So 
it might change yeah, but uh, currently sleazedecayvideo.com is voice only and video clips uh, tweet me at twitter.com forward slash so good reviews Taiwan War is on iTunes so you can subscribe to us and if you like the show please leave a star rating and or a written comment uh, uh, one or two sentences will do that will do for a review that iTunes will approve and what have you so that will help us and to those of you who have left the reviews uh, uh, on the various shows on the network thank you very much for taking the time to do so and if you don't like uh, streaming uh, or rather if you like streaming and don't like downloading podcasts to your device there is stitcher to use uh, the application for your iphone ipad or android and once you're in stitcher if you want to find taiwan noir type in taiwan noir and it'll get you the option to add us to your favorites as well so thank you very much for your support over there and finally from me golden ninja warrior chronicles is the blog that uh, our good friend jesus runs and uh, just like we do here i mean uh, we got him to thank for a lot of uh, IDing of uh, Taiwanese uh, movies in IFD movies, in cut and paste movies, because uh, I think that's work that needs to be out there by 2014 uh, and uh, to clear out all of these misconceptions that IFD stole movies or uh, and uh, like uh, cut uh, Westerners into them. No, there were acquisitions from all around Asia and those acquisitions can be identified and sometimes are available on their own as well. Mm -hmm. So you can get a, you can get this uh, comparison game going on. In the case of the anger, we do have that. Mm -hmm. As so, uh, if, as if, uh, are there a lot of people who really care that it, that about the issue that the movies were stolen? Because I don't think on top of no, the... uh, a lot of people are wrong. It's yeah. the thing that the, yeah. the misconceptions out there that, uh, uh, like for instance, that Godfrey Ho worked at Filmark as well, the other company, and uh, and yeah, that uh, Joseph Lai and IFD stole movies that were unreleasable. But uh, no, they weren't. They were done movies. They might yeah. not. Got, they got they may have made them unreleasable, but they <laughs> true true. But they were done and yeah. uh, all of that and released in their own territories. Mm -hmm. so otherwise, you would have had like a shitload of uh, uh, Sora Pong Chat Re films. Therefore, based on that assumption, that were never done. Mm -hmm. And I see your film mark brought them in and uh, placed ninjas beside them and saved them, so to say. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's what I'm trying to do. And I'm certainly very inspired by the work by Jesus over at that blog. So uh, check that out. It's linked to in the show post. And over to you, Todd. You have a few endeavors starting with 4DK. So Just a few. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can find me on my blog, Die Danger, Die, Die, Kill. Uh, and you can see why we call it 4DK. Um, where I review all kinds of crazy genre cinema from throughout the world. Uh, that can be found at dieDangerDieDieKill.blogspot.com. And once you go there, you'll see in the sidebar links to our Facebook page, our Twitter account. Uh, there's a Tumblr. I think that's all. I think that's that's all we've got right now. And your, then, your avatar, by the way, on Twitter is that the uh, creepy bear thing from Freeling Sword? Uh, is that no, another creepy bear thing? My Twitter No, that is a a a. <laughs> that's an Indian chimp star called Pedro the Ape Bomb. And, <laughs> and I'm in tone. I'm in tone. <laughs> and that's sort of and his uh, he was in a bunch of movies in India during the 60s and and he. But it does look eerily similar, doesn't it? When you think about the, the frilling sword, the pose is very similar. The yeah. outstretched arm pose, except if you look closely, you'll see that Pedro's is holding two pistols. 
So right that's, kind of, okay. that's kind of the attitude I try and bring to my role. And not other myths in the case of the creepy no. bear yeah. from uh, the Freeling Sword. Yeah, I, well, I thought the creepy bear not only looked like he had oven mitts on, but also his entire shape was kind of like and he looked <laughs> and i wouldn't be surprised because it's wild taiwanese fantasy so why not like oh my god oven meat man yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so that's pedro i i definitely encourage people to look up pedro the eight bomb probably all they'll find is stuff on my blog but <laughs> he's worth looking into uh so uh in addition to all that i also do the uh, Infernal Brains podcast with Tars Tarkas of TarsTarkas.net. We've got a new episode in the works. It's quite a deluxe one, so it might take us a little while to edit it into uh, listenable form. Uh, but look out for that. And we've got a Facebook page too, or you can just go to TarsTarkas.net and there's a link to all of. I think we've done we've done a bunch of episodes now. I think our our new one is going to be our 16th. Uh, and then a strong, uh, strong run after being uh, AWOL for a little bit for various reasons. So I'm very happy to see you back. Yeah, we're happy. We're happy to be back. Uh, and then the uh, web series that I'm doing, that's produced by Steve Mayhem, which is called Fighting Femmes, Fiends, and Fanatics. Uh, and would Virago fit into that series at uh, all? I think we're gonna have to do uh, uh, an Elsa Jung. We have not covered Elsa Jung yet, but yeah, Virago would. I think, uh, I think we've de- you know, uh, we talked about, we've talked now about doing a Country of Beauties one too, so maybe right. we'll cover that. But uh, just uh, do like a YouTube montage of uh, because you have at least two movies of uh, Elsa Jung training mm-hmm. women in bikinis. This one and uh, Lee Chunam's uh, Challenge of the Lady Ninja. So uh, you can just put that on a loop for ten minutes, and I'll watch the fuck out of that one. Yeah, that sounds kind of like fighting femmes, fiends, and fanatics. But <laughs> well, we do. We basically do little ten-minute mini documentaries about films we don't want to talk about. The new one's going to be about an Indian spy movie from the '80s called. Uh, Gunmaster G9. I'm very excited mm. about that one. Uh, so check that out. We've got a we've there's a YouTube channel. If you just go search Fighting Femmes, Fiends, and Fanatics on YouTube, you'll find our channel. Um, I'm being really lazy because I'm not looking up the uh, the the URL, but you can you people are intelligent people. You know how to use the internet. I mean, you found this so. And if you have the show post for this show, we always link directly to your endeavors as well, including the YouTube uh, uh, channel. So uh, uh, they're, they're permanent residents on our web uh, uh, on our website as well. Whenever we post to Taiwan more, fantastic, great. So uh, there you go. Uh, first of all, before we dive into Virago, first of all, a correction. I said first of all twice, but the hell with it. Uh, <laughs> I've done many errors over the years. I might as well repeat uh, repeat words as well. Uh, um, and, and I'll show there's tons of those uh, during this 10-episode run that we've uh, done, uh, me and John Charles for a few episodes, and then you and I for the last few, and this is the 11th. But uh, here's one I know of, one error we made. And uh, the thing is, IDing Taiwanese movies isn't easy, especially if they're only available under the uh, IFD internationally distributed title. 
uh, IFD just, uh, distributed whole movies as well before they got into the uh, cut and paste games. So uh, uh, they did a, they did that for uh, Virago in this case. But uh, let me take you back to Taiwan War Six, the episode called "The Imprisoned and the Devil." Uh, those are two movie titles: "The Imprisoned," "The Devil." Uh, the Imprisoned was a WIP slash slave camp movie, and it was released by IFD as Commander Fury. You know that's how we pronounce that. You know, Commander mm-hmm. Fury. They, they they do in the trailer they say it really fast rather than Commando Fury they do Commando Fury <laughs> and I, I I don't know why I get hung up on these uh, details but I love them so that was the IFD retitle and at the time it seemed very plausible based on cast and crew that the original title if you went to Hong Kong Movie Database was the imprisoned that is now confirmed as wrong uh, Commando Fury was actually called originally Training Camp uh, which we, which it wasn't it was a slave camp for heaven's sake but that's what it was called in English. And the actual movie, The Imprisoned, because there is one by the same director, Chester Wong, is a movie that ended up at the other cut and paste distribution company called Filmark. And it was the source movie for their movie, Death Code Ninja. So The Imprisoned has been seen in some shape or form, uh, but not at IFD, uh, but at Filmark. And it's a different uh, movie. It's a. Uh, Revenge movie of sorts, if you will. That's paired up with uh, uh, very fun, but very ill footage shot by Filmark. Very ill ninja footage, but man, is it uh, good fun. And I'm, uh, I would like to see the imprisoned uh, complete. Uh, but um, compared to IFD, who took training camp and uh, just dubbed it, um, the imprisoned uh, got cut up, if you will. But a lot of it is still in it, and you can uh, get what, what the movie was uh, Attempting just like Inferno Thunderbolt and the anger, you know, you can get that the you can get the gist of the anger even if uh, about thirty percent of it is cut out. So, uh, so that's the correction. I know no one picked up on that, but um, I think it's uh, right to uh, bring it out once we know that it's uh, confirmed as wrong. That, but I'm not going back and uh, redoing the original episode like a redubbing <laughs> everything. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, it's there, and uh, that's what we knew at the time. So. So let's review Virago Virago from 1981 and plot from my review of the film. And it's based on the Deadly Silver Angels version and dub. So I've uh, taken the names from that, but the original version probably has different names. So after Big Boss Lau is killed, his grieving daughter Angel Lau, played by Elsa Jung, swears to avenge her father by going after the rival boss Fung, played by Taiwanese veteran Wang She, Having a respectable connection with one of Fung's right-hand men, called Jimmy Lee, played by Eagle Lee, who was uh, present when her father was assassinated. Angel goes to work recruiting an army of capable women, including the five Amazons gang. So there you have it. It's directed by Chung Chi Chu, or in Mandarin, Chang Chi Chao, if this indeed was a Taiwanese director. It's not one of those big names out there, but uh, uh, there's a recognizable movie or two on the resume, the... Um, because if you've seen it, you kind of recognize it, but uh, maybe that's the extent of the memories sometimes. But uh, uh, what I've seen is I saw his WIP movie called Girls Reformatory, which was uh, picked up by IFD and released complete as Rainbow Force. (laughs) (laughs) Rainbow Force, like, it's kind of hard, but uh, half-hard that the Rainbow, ah, Force. Right. That doesn't that doesn't work with your usual way of of pronouncing the titles of the IFD. Rainbow Force. Rainbow Force. 
or something. I don't know. Uh, that would work for me. That would work All right. For me. Oh, okay, good. But it wasn't a very good movie, though. I bet Elsa Jung was in it, Masha was in it, or Tattoo or Ma. So it's worth a look, yeah. Uh, this director directed between 1978 and 1998, uh, everything from the 1978 debut with the awesome title and about three, four retitles. Uh, uh, and they, apparently the original title was Peculiar Boxing Tricks and the Monster. <laughs> um, Why well, it had a Wu-Tang-like uh, retitle for one of the Wu-Tang VHS releases, uh, because I think one of the retitles is Old Dirty Strikes Back or something okay. like that. So they they could pick up on that fact and run with it and add a Z to uh, to the retitle and what have you. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, anyway, to get it out there, I suppose. Uh, Chung or Chang uh, also directed Fighting Ace from 1979 with John Liu, and uh, as well as Category Three movies in Hong Kong like Fatal Rose from 1993. Uh, the star Elsa Jung we talked of on Taiwan War Ten, our Freeling Sword and the Country of Beauties episode. So that's passed by. I won't go over again. But suffice to say. There's always something to look forward in a, a Elsa Jung movie. She's that compelling to me. And I think uh, you very much agree that uh, you're never bored by seeing her, at least. No. You know what I mean? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, and this provides a really good showcase for her. But I wanted to interject something because while we were on break, I was because I'm interested in things like this, I wanted to find out how you do pronounce Virago because it was not a word that I was familiar with. So I went online to various dictionary sites. And on Merriam-Webster, I found it pronounced like this. So some say Virago, Virago. And, another, and then I went to Google and it said Virago. Ooh. So it's like you say Virago and I say Virago, I guess. But uh, And the definition is, a. Uh, let me see, my favorite definition is a domineering, violent, or bad-tempered woman, which sounds like a, you know, like a blues song or something. But then the archaic definition is a woman of masculine strength or spirit, a female warrior, which I think is how they meant it in this case, though they do chop up a lot of guys too so they're definitely bad tempered as well but they have their reasons so not the title you'd expect out of any movie from taiwan it's you you never need to look up what it all means you know right. it's uh, unless it's mangled but yeah. this is certainly an actual word so there you yeah. go um and uh, you broke my brain now that it's a free pronunciation so but you know what movie we're talking about here yes. when we talk you know, talk of this well, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the positives, a couple positives, and then I'm gonna mosey on down to the negative side of town. Uh, positives with this, uh, there's a lot of action in it. Um, you know, it definitely moves quickly. There's some pretty well staged fights and stunts, and there's all there's a great great motorcycle stunt scene where at one point um, Elsa and her gang of vengeance warrior women all are on all are on motorcycles and they've cornered their prey and they to play with him you know at that point they start leap jumping their motorcycles over his head like three at a time and it's and it's very balletic filmed in slow-mo uh looks extremely dangerous because they're jumping towards each other you know mm. and uh but fantastic scene, real. I mean, it's exactly the kind of thing we looked at Asian action, action cinema for. It looks dangerous, but it's 
you know, and beautiful at the same time. It looks like someone could have really gotten hurt doing it. Um, uh, I found that uh, it this it's basically a very simple story. I mean, there's really not much simpler than a revenge story, and especially a movie like this when what I think most of the audience really wants to see is Elsie Young and her bikini assassins, you know, kicking ass on the people who wronged her. Um, but it's uh, the setup for that is very complicated. There's a lot of characters, um, many of whose utility is kind of mysterious as far as the plot goes. And, um, you know, for, for one thing, there's it's not just that you know, there's the whole backstory. It's not just that Elsa's father gets killed. There's like this whole backdrop of this gang war that's going on between Lao and Fung. And then there's all the, there's several contenders who step up to fill the power vacuum that, um, that happens after Elsa's uh, dad is killed. And those include uh, this guy, Toro, who's played by Masha, who's an old friend of Eagle Lee's character. And then there's uh, Mr. Xu, played by Shang Tao, who's uh, Lao's former right-hand man. And then there's a f old rival gangster named Charlie, uh, played by Sang Xu, uh, who also steps up. And so there's all kinds of, uh, you know, internecine battles and things like that I, I found very confusing I had a hard time keeping track of it it's also one of those movies where you don't really know what anybody's name is until they're killed and there there was one guy who whose name was Andy and I had no idea uh, who he was that he just uh, but he gets killed in this one scene and then uh, Eagle Lee uh, falls to his knees and he's like Andy no Andy Andy and I'm just I was just sitting at home going who the fuck is Andy I don't even know who this guy is but it's a very his death is much mourned in the movie so I found the movie uh, a little over complex for what it was uh, right, and, uh, and uh, for me I'm not, not going to argue that it is a hidden classic but I suppose for me it represents like comfort viewing it's uh, familiar faces, a, fam a familiar and compelling era from mm -hmm. Taiwan, and, and some quotable elements. I mean, uh, enough for me to remember them and kind of return to it fairly frequently, actually. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I watched it like maybe five or six times over oh, the wow. years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for both work and uh, for pleasure. Mm -hmm. uh, but, so it's certainly a generic gangster action uh, where the woman, the women rather, comes in and saves it, but they're not in that very obvious way. It's not a sex movie or anything. It's mm. uh, the women coming in and providing the cooler action beats. And, uh, you know, it, it starts with Elsa Jung training her women in their bikinis of, um, like halfway into the movie or what have you. And then, then you got the quotable elements. So, uh, but let, let's return a little to IFD. Uh, this is their presented the version that we watched, uh, the Deadly Silver Angels version from Japanese VHS in widescreen. Mm -hmm. uh, and it, uh, <clears throat> it carries original credits for some of the main players and has no editorial tampering by, um, by IFD. There's no Westerners inserted into it. So it's, 
you know, you wonder if it's another case of, um, or if it is a case of IFD deeming that this has enough content on its own to be sold as is, and if they picked out the movie out of many, but but they also picked up a lot of Taiwanese movies in one go, I'm fairly certain of, considering how many of these uh, key movies that they got. And uh, who knows if they actually used this movie again and, and made a cut and paste movie out of it with uh, maybe not Richard Harrison, but some of the other players, you know, uh, because if they had the movie, it might be savvy business tactics to reuse the movie again. And uh, on occasion, they have actually uh, the Fury in Red, the girl with a gun movie that I talked about uh, uh, early 80s, they did a complete later 80s. They did a cut and paste movie out of it. So they reused their acquired their property. And um, that's kind of fun, actually. But mm. uh, it's a movie that's not available, actually. In uh, it, Well, it is available, but only in German. So that cut and paste uh, version of Fury in Red or Girl with a Gun is only available ger- German dubbed, which is a bit of a shame because it's bizarre. Mm. Uh, there's no ninja action by that point. They're doing it. this. Uh, uh, occult uh, sect kind of thing, and that makes that character in the orig- original go out and shoot people, kind mm. of. Mm-hmm. So it's very bizarre. Uh, but so uh, at this point, IFD was kind of at a crossroads. They were seemingly out of the game distributing Korean made martial arts movies, and some they made themselves, but not into the ninja or cut and paste craze just yet. Um, uh, their first cut and paste movie overall was this movie called Mission Thunderbolt. <laughs> but it uh, had no ninjas, they just um, used that technique, if you will, the cut and paste techniques. Um, so Deadly Silver Angels is seemingly complete, uh, and the credits seem genuine, because there's a lot of Chinese names in the cast, uh, rather than IFD's otherwise standard and hilarious practice of making up and westernizing um, uh, Chinese names. You know, if there's a Wang, they went with such bizarre names, like, uh, what are we going to call, what are we going to call him? Mm, Rupert Wang. Right, right, yeah. You know, the least sexy names. Uh, so, and even the dubbing company is different for nerds like me, because normally it's uh, Ada, uh, or uh, Ada was the company doing the English version, as the credits mm-hmm. usually say. And it says on Inferno Thunderbolt, actually. Uh, so, so thank God it got a chance to stand on its own because uh, uh, for me, uh, I mean, it has a shaky way to generic start, but it actually delivers a fairly fast-paced generic entertainment spiced mm-hmm. up with female fury. You know, right. the female bring the fury. Um, you might have seen this, Todd, I don't know, throughout the years, uh, looking in VHS bins and what have you, as mm-hmm. uh, Five Lady Venoms. That was the US VHS title of uh Virago. I think or... I might have actually seen it before a long time ago under that title. It's hard for it's hard to figure out, but I think I did. I, but there, th- then again, there were a lot of female Venoms movies too, so it could have been one yeah. of the other ones. The opening is fun uh, because I said, yeah, it's probably complete this movie, but the opening is from another movie actually, um, and it opens <laughs> with a, a wonderful voiceover, like the only voiceover in movie. Oh in movie, yeah, like, great voiceover. So Hong Kong. A paradise of adventure and a center Tur- of, of scum. scum. Yeah. Scum, nonetheless. <laughs> and and uh, that it's a Taiwanese movie set in Hong Kong is not surprising. They uh, uh, de-Taiwanese the, uh, their own movies to avoid censorship sometimes when the content was uh, kind of risky. Uh, so it was literally uh, even if you're in red or girl with a gun is set in Hong Kong because it has some social commentary in there and they didn't shoot that recognizable Taiwanese uh, landmarks or places mm-hmm. or what have you so it was not uncommon uncommon but what it leads to and I'm sure you'd like to describe it but I can just say briefly this nude dancing that happens it's in another 
early IFD distributed title, mm. uh, and their title is Angels with Golden Guns, aka Virgin Apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, and that scene is in it, so they've taken one scene from somewhere else, put it at the top of this movie, and then connected it to uh, Deadly Silver Angels or Virago club footage. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's uh, a, a, an illusion, if you will. But do, do you want to, as uh, detailed as you can, or uh, <laughs> you know, the floor is yours? So what, what uh, is the nude, nude uh, dance scene about? Uh, God, is, it, is it any good? Is it any sexy? Don't make me relive it. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to go into too much detail. It's a little wan. It's not. Uh, it, it's not the sexiest sexy dancing I've ever seen. The people are a little pasty and and unattractive, and it's not very. Uh, not very energetic. It's not very. No, it's not like this. Charge. Yeah. It's not like this pumping like no. yeah striptease motherfucker. No, it's, it's uh, some interpretive dance kind of thing. It, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's like interpretive dance for for married couples or something like that. <laughs> you know, it's like for married couples that, you know, maybe the the romance has gone out of the relationship, and so this is like a therapeutic thing where they're doing. Okay, we'll try this naked interpretive dance thing. See if that, you know, sparks. And it's not like yeah, either. And it's not like either. It's. Uh, freaky raunchy stuff like in new york ripper or anything like uh, one of these sex shows no no it's kind of tame compared to that and uh, yeah. because we watched it on japanese vhs uh, the, the the lady parts are blurred out right yeah they're fogged out that was funny uh, the, uh the, the, that was that would be uh, the breasts are fine but the nether regions are blurred out as per japanese yeah. uh, censorship seems if they were looking for footage to spice the movie up they could have found something a little bit more racy than this. So it was a little... Because it, it when you open with Center of Scum, yeah, yeah! Right. Yeah, and let's... then it all slows down all of a sudden. Right, let's go to the center of that scum, you know? Let's see it if you're going to introduce it that way. And it's the introduction to... I guess the, it's the club run by... It's not uh, Elsa's father. It's the other, the rival gangster, yes. Lau, I think. Uh, or... Uh, and that's where a lot of the early action in the movie takes place, especially when uh, Jimmy, the the Eagle Lee character, proves himself by basically just beating up uh, this creepy guy, which everyone applauds like he's, you know, like it's the achievement of the age when he just beats yeah. up this creepy guy and they throw him out even i could beat that guy up and i'm yeah. a complete pussy so it's yeah. like uh, they, they were like desperate for to hail someone you're like five so five yeah. seconds into his little it's not like there's a big kung fu fight and he yeah. kicks the living shit, shit out of him it's just like he, he like pushes him to the side and that little weasel like runs out i'll get back at you uh, you stay here i'll come back <laughs> and then, of course, he does. Yeah, it must have been a very slow night at that club. But, uh, yeah. But then <laughs> when... action. Like, this dance isn't doing anything for us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that might be. It was probably people's pent-up sexual frustration from having to watch that terrible dance. But, uh, and then that's what it 
attracts him the attention of the big boss and the boss that doesn't what does he say you did something fantastic tonight yes <laughs> right, wow the standard of uh, messiah like uh, hailing yeah is, exactly uh, dif- different in this taiwanese uh, universe or hong kong right. universe if you will uh, but it's like this movie it opens so fast that it seems like it uh, is destined to run 30 minutes because a lot happens at once that uh, and it seems to climax really quickly because Jimmy Lee is into the gang warfare quickly he goes from place to place kicks ass and uh, and it it runs through the beats that you expect a 90 minute movie to run through in mm-hmm. less than half an hour and then at then Elsa Young gets introduced like it's Eagle Lee's like short movie first yeah uh, he's obviously in it later but it's it seems like um they like took two incomplete scripts or something yeah yeah that was the yeah that was kind of what i was Much getting them. at yeah yeah that it took you know, I was in it to see the Elsa Young action, as I'm sure a lot of people watching this would be. And so it just it took a little long to get to her bit. Once her bit started, it, it was pretty awesome. But it it the that lag time before she came in and and started forming her her posse of of killer bikini girls was was a uh, a little. Bit. It made it less fun and i mean compared to the other films of hers we've seen recently like uh, country of beauties and and thrilling sword i mean it, this film is nowhere near as fun as those films but it's no, definitely exactly. it's it's watchable it's watchable you know he he uh, either jimmy lee I, I don't know maybe this was uh, tough and hard um, uh, costume uh, and clothing choices in the 80s but jimmy lee wearing a white suit for what seems like days and in every scene uh, <laughs> yeah. looking like it came from some kind of wedding reception uh, doesn't look make him look very hard although the actor is certainly capable in the action scenes mm-hmm. uh, and the action scenes have some fair grit to them without them being like uh, big old you know summer hung or lao galung uh, action masterpieces or anything right. but uh, you know it's fine i mean uh, for for generic uh, you know for a generic 30 minute movie that it seems like that you know it, it's it's fine but then uh, as they merge let's say there was two scripts merged no wonder the character population increased <laughs> to yeah. like a hundred as you've uh, hinted at uh, uh, and I agree. I mean, I, 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 when I sensed that I couldn't keep track of it all, I just fe- focused on the basics, and it was uh, pleasurable to follow once Elsa Young was introduced. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's generally. If I didn't have to sort of review the movie and talk about it, I wouldn't have paid as much attention to that stuff. But I feel like when I have to talk about a movie, it's like, well, I should look at what the story is and how well they told the story. I mean, you know. But yeah, it's really the best way to approach this movie is just as uh yeah let it just kind of let it wash over you you know mm. <laughs> uh, and and indeed it uh, becomes a very pleasurable um um uh, it become, becomes pleasurable to soak in it as um, obviously as we said Elsa gets introduced and as well as the one of the five Amazons gang of uh, pretty ladies uh, that are introduced in a casino scene mm. and in, in a very like um, not a revolutionary but quite pleasurable and noticeable and memorable way. So the five Amazons I, I can set this up and then I'll let you run with it. The five Amazons are both uh, are all uh, they all have tattoos on their backs. So mm-hmm. what does uh, director Zhang do to, how to introduce uh, them therefore? They bare their backs and each has a, a 
a tattoo of a different bird across their back. One's an eagle, one's a owl, one's a, like a sparrow, I think one's a seagull, and then right, don't seagull-like. Mm. Yeah, that was a little weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I scavenge my meals off the beach. <laughs> it would be lovely if the animal footage was this very like super tame animal footage as well. It's not like they cut to <laughs> animal footage that is cruelty or anything, but you know, they're, they're, they're supposed to be sort of uh, tough birds, I right. suppose. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like a little Tweety bird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, one uh, of them is like a songbird, uh, a sparrow really? or something like that. I can't remember. It, it happened. It all happened so fast. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, uh, it, it's part of several snapshots of this world and there's, and there, there, it's vague conflicts in it, but uh, you know, it's, um, it's memorable to have uh, the, um, the introduction be like that just because, you know, um, for a, for a five, 15 second stretch, we get these like boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom type of cuts and edits. Yeah. And then later they have so that she and she incorporates this gang who are just called the Amazons, right? And mm -hmm. then and then later they on in during one of their beach yoga sessions, uh, they encounter the a gang called the Amazons of the South, and they have a rumble with them, and then they handily beat the Amazons of the South, and then they decide to incorporate so the amazons of the south then become part of the gang so it's a pretty big gang she's got there and there's not a it's an it, like the rest of the characters i didn't really learn their names until they were getting killed but uh yeah. there, there's there's one character named connie who seems pretty pretty prominent she's i guess she's supposed to be elsa's uh you know right-hand girl and her she's played by swin galam i'm sure i'm pronouncing that terribly but other than that it's like laura no mimi no <laughs> you know and it does come down to that when there's a there's a big a, a big confrontation with the gangsters when uh all of the women get it's quite bloody and all of the women get bloodily injured and one of them gets killed i think and then and that it's at that point and this isn't that long after uh elsa's character angel has put the gang together she decides to go it alone against the gangsters because she doesn't want you know the her girls to get hurt on her account yeah. even though that seems to be the whole purpose of putting them together you know uh so she goes. If any theme here, by the way, is present, is that it's um, the action has an uh, is uh, tinged with uh, uh, the weapon of choice being a knife for yes. for because it, it, the ending is isn't only isn't the only knife attack scene. There's a garage fight, I believe, that has that, mm -hmm. uh, and and obviously the bike attack is uh, that you talked about stands out a whole lot. It's uh, down towards the character Wang Xie plays. And and obviously the peril is uh, pretty awesome there for real, you know. I'm saying awesome. I didn't want anyone to get hurt or anything, but uh, mm -hmm. you you kind of get giddy when uh, when cinema uh, brings peril to the screen. And Asian cinema is very apt at uh, doing that, you know, for better or worse. Uh, yeah. But uh, it's not it's not like Asian cinema has a, a a fatality track record that's up there in the hundreds or thousands or anything. So as far and, as we know. 
as far as we know. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I know I know Wang Xie worked uh, if he did some of the stunts, but I don't think he's. It was fairly elderly at that point, so I don't think he did all of the stunts. But it's a pretty uh, pretty cool kick-ass thing, and uh, yeah. the training is quick, obviously. So they learn the bike uh, to be apt at uh, the bike riding and stunts pretty quickly, as well as as well as uh, the knife uh, the knife attacking and the action uh, surrounding right. that. And once again, like in Country of Beauties, there's a lot of fights that are sort of spectacular just in scope because there's so many participants. I mean, there's a again, there's a huge fight with all of the the Amazons against the gang. You know, it's Amazons versus gangsters, and that's a pretty good, well choreographed fight just in terms of the staging of all those different you know, all that parallel action going on. By the way, I just wanted to say you're very right that uh, uh, the, everybody knows there's an advantage to, to scope and widescreen, but uh, you know, it deserves to be mentioned. And uh, even IFD's more shittery, like uh, cut and paste movies, you know, they, they do transform into uh, playing on their own terms when in widescreen. And we certainly were very lucky to have many of these uh, on Japanese VHS in English mm -hmm. and full widescreen including deadly silver angels so uh, yeah. you're, you're very correct uh, the other thing i wanted to say is that this film provides a really great showcase for elsa again and her outfits which i'm learning i think is a is a standard feature of elsa Jung movies is that she wears some pretty wild costumes she's very stylish and in this movie, she's uh, affecting a pretty butch look. Like for a lot of the movie, she's dressed in head-to-toe leather and has kind of a tomboyish haircut. She looks kind of, to me, she looked a lot like Elvis in his 1968 comeback special, you know, with a full <laughs> leather a jumpsuit. And then at the end, she goes full male drag. She's wearing yeah. a suit and everything. And that's like in the final fight, she's wearing this like bitchin' black, you know, very uh, tight cut suit with a little skinny tie and uh, she's she's uh, fighting in that which couldn't have been too easy and then there's uh, with her and the girls there's also some very iconic shots there's a scene where they're all in scuba gear and they do sort of a scuba assault and then of course the motorcycles where they're all you know in their motorcycle gear and everything so as yeah, far yeah, as ge looks, generic with a little bit of a color added to it helps the movie uh, definitely yeah. like you know the color being like the the examples you just uh, mentioned there so it, it kind of why it's kind of why i return to it that it, it does have that and it affects me every view like cool kick ass Right. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoy that aspect. That's probably what I enjoy the most about these movies yeah. is the costumes they they put them in. They tend to be fanciful. Uh, in the life of Ninja, uh, Elsa's uh, first scene, uh, it's a fight scene with Shen uh, Quan Tai, and she's wearing uh, tight leather pants in her first fight scene in that one, wow. which is uh, fantastic. And she has, you know, great long hair looks. Mm -hmm. hot, hot, hot. <laughs> I've, yeah, I've got to see that one. Uh, it's a good. It's good fun. It's coming up on um, on a show that we do in the future because it's a suit. A suitable double bill is uh, Life of Ninja and Challenge of the Lady Ninja, both directed by Lee Cho Nam. Mm. Uh, she co-stars in the Life of Ninja, but she's very much in it. But Challenge of the Lady Ninja is uh, one of my favorite movies from her. You know, she's so iconic in that mm -hmm. uh, red ninja wear, which doesn't sound like ninja wear, but it's Elsa Jung and she. Boy, oh boy, the, 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 she works it, she works it. So. Mm -hmm. The training scenes in this, I mean, 
uh, they're they're a little cheesy in their perviness. I thought they kind of took it a little <laughs> too far of the uh, with the ling. I mean, even if it was edited artfully, it would be titillating. But uh, the camera kind of lingers just that little moment too long. You know, it's like uh, <laughs> you know they might as well put up. I a know, song. I know, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. They just should just put up a, so- a sign that says "Masturbate Now" on the screen or something. <laughs> but it's like, um, you know. And, but and if du- you're, and thus I did. Uh, <laughs> well, thanks for sharing that. Um, it, I mean, if you're turned on by girls in swimsuits doing sit-ups, this is definitely the movie for you. But there's also a lot of lingering shots of them doing many, many. I, I was saying bridges, but actually they're like full back bends. Uh, yeah. And that, so there's a lot of that too, and the camera but kind you, of folks. Gotta have a training, uh, training montage. Yeah, that's definitely. Yeah, it, it definitely. It's a, it's a little sleazy. It was a little. It, it was, you know, it wasn't a turnoff to me, but it was like, eh, they didn't need, you know, it could have been a little more artful than that. But you know, I maybe I'm asking. I'm probably asking too much of this movie. <laughs> turn away, turn away, and right, there's exactly. instead, like. Interpretive, interpretive dancing, please. No. Right. It, yes. I, I. Yeah. If given a choice between, well, unfortunately, the interpretive dancing scene did not last very long. That wasn't the best yeah. thing about it. But if given a choice between that and the girls in uh, bikinis doing sit-ups, uh, I would choose the sit-ups. Definitely. Oh. Yeah. Um, I'm not I would made of stone. Yes, uh, nor am I. But everybody knows I'm a I'm a, I'm a freak in this lease. <laughs> so I review porn. Yep, that's a that's a long short way there. Yeah. Uh, what I love um, is obviously um, the ending fight, which you know, all, overall the action is pretty decent. At times, the girls do not look very powerful. They, they say, um, throughout the movie, they doesn't. They obviously are, are scrapping and what have you, and all the face punching and what have you doesn't look very powerful coming from the ladies but the mm. end fight with the knives is in its br- the brutality works for it even if the action isn't the balletic or anything and uh, it uh, if anything it possibly they probably didn't mean this but it is a clever thing that the ladies show up uh, including Elsa or maybe not including Elsa but in you know kind of sexy wear you know and tight hot pants Right, right, that's right. But what yeah. that does when the brutality, uh, the brutality enters is that uh, whenever they get stabbed, it feels a lot more vulnerable because they get yes. stabbed right in their legs, you know, and yes. there's no clothing protecting them. And we see as much as we can see based on the budget, there is, you know, actual stabbings. And it feels a lot more, not dramatic, but a lot more, um, this... uh, you go a little bit more, ooh. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the flip side of the titillation aspect of that. It, you know, it's like... In the, yeah, it's interesting because they're showing a lot of skin in this scene, but that just makes that's just more skin to be flayed, basically. So yeah. it's yeah, and, and they're fighting on rocks as well, both in the sand and on rocks, you know, yeah. probably slip, slippery rocks and shit. So yeah, uh, maybe some bruises and uh, some uh, uh, not cuts, but uh, you know, uh, some some bruises and uh, some bloodletting in this scene. Who knows as they shot it uh, out there. Um, it's uh, so it's rather well shot, but there is a rather goofy-looking slow-motion shot that is uh, not very well integrated in, <laughs> into it. Because when you do slow motion at times, you want it for defining violent moments, like to right. make audiences go, "Ooh," you know. Uh, the anger. 
does it a lot better in its ending. Yeah, like it uh, becomes really, it goes from speed to uh, regular speed to slow motion in that one, and that makes you go, uh, makes you pay attention a lot more. But here's like, just like why I want it to go faster because the action is not compelling in slow motion. All of a sudden, it looks right. way more fear mm-hmm. in slow motion. So that they didn't utilize uh, well, but it is a rather kick-ass ending. Despite you not caring about who lives or dies, you know, it's uh, by <laughs> yeah. that point, it's like, yeah. oh my god, she got stabbed. Who is she? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I, yeah, I agree. I thought it was definitely a rousing, uh, a rousing finale to the movie. Um, one thing I have to point out because I always have to, because I'm obsessed with pointing out uh, what the needle drop music cues are taken from. This movie uses a lot of music from John Barry's score to On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it uses it fine. I mean, it's a great action score, so it's not, you know, that, that's why people use John Barry's music so much. It, it adds a, a grandeur and a, and a, and a mystique to, to what's going on. So it's used pretty well, but it stands out. You can, you know, I, I immediately recognized it. Um, yeah, he certainly uh, uh, never had to resort to begging on the streets just because they stole uh, his score at least once or twice, you know. So uh, John yeah. Barry is probably laughing all the way to the bank, regardless. <laughs> I yeah, I wonder. I mean, I wrote a post about that after he died a couple years ago, and I wondered if he ever even knew because his scores are so widely pilfered from all over the world. There's Bollywood movies that use James Bond music. There's a lot of Cantonese movies from the 60s, like a lot of those Connie Chan movies. They they very liberally use things from the Bond movies. They even use the James Bond theme as the theme yeah. <laughs> to, to Connie Chan. So, and I just wonder if even, you know, it was such a different world then. There wasn't the internet. These, 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 uh, film uh industries these national film industries were really insular you know it's like yeah. you didn't know what was going on. you know you didn't know what was getting released in thailand this week you know the way you do now but uh so i wanted they never, they never expected it to be uh, uh spread in the west like 10 20 years later and uh, right n- normally some of these soundtracks are kept intact. I mean, Snake and the Eagle Shadow is uh, has been kept intact uh, on home video uh, throughout the years. Maybe they've paid, you know, uh, Sean Michel Jarry and mm. the group Space for usage of their music by now, which yeah. it, which defines Snake and the Eagle Shadow. I love it because of the absolutely wrong but perfect uh, choice to, uh, to feature uh, synthesizer pop. Mm-hmm. In uh, in a period martial arts movie, but it works obviously, uh, and it's great music. So, uh, yeah. but but you have, you have examples like um, Master of the Flying Guillotine. At one point, uh, a few years ago, when it became re-released in some uh, in some territories, it was released with the original soundtrack by the uh, that among other things features the German uh, group Neu and their, mm. their music. But latter wow, releases, that's weird. Uh, like uh so it's like um drone music basically right yeah the opening credits to uh is uh, well it's rather kick-ass actually it's yeah. a loud track the opening credits to most of the flying gate team has that uh latter versions had that removed because they had enough uh, they didn't like the usage of their music and whoever re- released it 
couldn't pay for it or wouldn't. So uh, it's a shame because it defines that movie. It's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, no, it weren't John Barry or Ennio Morricone in terms of raking in the money, I suppose. So, um, right, yeah. And, and they're in the right. I'm not saying they're whiny bitches or anything because they are <laughs> they are in the right. So, um, uh, so uh, I think I have made a note, but I can't remember where it played now, but I have made a note of Dust Bought. So it must have featured that iconic uh, uh, little um, uh, recognizable score from uh, Dust Bowl mm. at some point. Okay. Uh, I missed but, that uh, one. Yeah. Or, a ver- or a variation of it that sounds almost like it, but isn't. You know, like the IFD opening credits are mm-hmm. clearly, you know, the Imperial March from Star Wars, but right. not quite. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> So they've gotten away with featuring that on their logo for a number of years, I think. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, so I don't have any other notes. Do you have any other notes? Or should we put this one to bed? The only remaining note I had is to make note of the the name of the whorehouse that was owned, the brothel that was owned by uh, Jimmy Lee's boss that was called Virgin's Hell, which, <laughs> which I don't know if that's like the best, uh, you know, the most client enticing name to put on your brothel but there you have it virgin's hell no maybe uh, maybe some titty good time in there or not you know yeah no 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 ambiguity in that name so no <laughs> other than that that was that was uh that's all i have to say about it right on and as for availability it's not great i mean what we watched is a copy of the widescreen IFD version uh, from uh, Japanese VHS in the 80s. Uh, there are bootlegs of this particular version out there and surely torrents, but no official DVD of the IFD version and certainly not of the original uh, are out there as far as I know. I mean, uh, maybe a Taiwanese VHS release was done once, but I doubt it was in full scope. Uh, uh, but maybe there is a print available in Taiwan, because, um, but not released, uh, because the, um, presumably the Taipei Film Archive has over the years, you know, built up their uh, uh, built up their archive. There are more and more prints uh, becoming available uh, of um, martial arts movies and uh, obscure movies and what have you, and good looking ones as well. So ta- Taiwan is opening up ever so slightly, but um, for this one, I haven't heard of any original language version being out there. Uh, but it's not bad to have in English, obviously. Yeah, we do, and uh, all of that. Uh, so we're done for Deadly Silver Angels or Virago or Virago or the third pronunciation that I have forgotten. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's the same movie we're talking of, no confusion here. And uh, But after the break, we'll be talking the Angus slash Inferno Thunderbolt. So uh, stick with us to find out why it's two movies in one, two reviews in one, if you will. So uh, we'll be right back. Welcome back, and uh, in this half we take a look at the anger, and at the same time we take a look at Inferno Thunderbolt. Uh, so 1982 and 1985, we're talking uh, in terms of uh, I think it's 85 for heaven's sake. Gotta check that. It's 85 and 86. Uh, right, I, I, I lean towards 85 for Inferno Thunderbolt. So let's just uh, say that for the sake of discussion. But the anger. Uh, as I said, we are looking at two movies at the same time, so the plot summary contains both what the anger is about and what Inferno Thunderbolt is about. So, uh, uh, so I'll, I'll do that kind of plot summary, and then and we explain why we are even uh, discussing both and uh, the background of it and all of that. So, the names are therefore from the IFD dub of the film. So, Alison, played by uh, Lucia Fenn or 
in the IFD credits, she was always uh, called Fonda Lynn. Uh, her sister Mabel is found dead and she connects this to the wealthy, powerful Rockford family. Alison goes undercover to get close to the core of the family, mainly the son, played by Lam Joy Pao. Uh, but the only truly, the one truly running it is the mother from her wheelchair. Uh, meanwhile, IFD's contribution kicks in as we see journalist Claire, played by Claire Angela, writing a story on the Rockfords, making enemies in the process and eventually ending up murdered. Husband and cop Richard, played by Richard Harrison, swears to take revenge, and, uh, not on the family, because he can't, because he's not in the same movie, but, <laughs> on, <laughs> but, but on the assassin. Slight practical uh, obstacle there, yeah. Uh, but uh, he has to go after the assassin that took her out, played by Pierre Tremblay. Pierre Tremblay actually dubbed a lot of Hong Kong movies in the 80s. That was also his gig. Uh, so there's actually footage from uh, like behind the scenes uh, stuff on uh, dubbing sessions of like Ace of Places 5 and The Killer. You can say, see the assassin of the infundable Pierre Tremblay uh, being a dubber as well. So uh, good, good on the map. Uh, mm-hmm. Background, directed by Richard Chen, the director of Girl with a Gun, aka Fury in Red. That was the Miss 45 rip-off remake. He's also the director of a very effective little um, horror movie called Devil Returns. Uh, Chen is a key uh, character in Taiwanese cinema. He was famous at this time. But in the interest of moving forward and steer listeners towards older shows at the same time, uh, we'll, we actually talk Richard Chen's bio on Taiwan Noir episode 4, which features a review of the movie Girl with a Gun. And uh, the... Bio on the lead, Liu Xiaofen or Fonda Lin, is placed in episode 3 where we discuss the rape revenge movie Lady Avenger, which is one of her best movies outside of the iconic drama that she break, uh, had her breakthrough in called On the Society File of Shanghai. Uh, so, based on those that break, you know, you gotta put commercial elements into the system again, so she became a busy worker. Richard became a busy worker and had four movies released in 1982, including this one, The Anger, as well as Kill for Love, both with uh, Liu Xiaofan. Kill for Love was actually used uh, by IFD in cut and paste form for official exterminator Kill for Love. <laughs> and there were several official exterminator movies, but none were connected as such. So, uh, not this one of the strongest outings with uh, a director that she had. You know, she worked better in my mind with the director uh, IFD, I believe, named uh, Karen Yang. I think her Chinese name is Yang Xia Yun, who directed uh, Lady Avenger. Uh, Lady Avenger was picked up by IFD and renamed Deadly Darling, so that's why we have Karen Yang on that print. Uh, but I haven't seen the Richard Chen movie with Liu Xiaofan called Temptation yet, so maybe that'll be a good movie a better movie for its lead and a director in the tandem. Uh, also, well here is in my notes, also with the copyrights of 1985 Inferno Thunderbolt. That's <laughs> the only way you pronounce these titles. Was mm-hmm. released by IFD starring Richard Harrison and directed by Godfrey Ho. It was part of their cut and paste formula that didn't just formula that didn't just include ninja action because uh, they did modern action thrillers as well. Try that out even though ninja action did dominate. So IFD had sourced the anger uh, out of many Taiwanese movies that they sourced uh, from this time and they edited out about 10 minutes or so from the anger to make room for a revenge plot of Richard Harrison's as well and much of the core of the anger is still there and its plot is not redone in the editing or dubbing as such they don't change it up as such because uh, I think that would be complicated 
so um, so versus Godfrey Ho's movie you, you kind of get uh, the core of the anger uh, uh, when watching Inferno Thunderbolts so that's why me and Todd are kind of examining uh, both here uh, we're experimenting a little here by uh, I've watched both uh, I've seen Inferno Thunderbolts before and Todd watched uh, only Inferno Thunderbolts so it's uh, Richard Chen versus Godfrey Ho go! <laughs> <laughs> I was in the soundproof booth while uh, Ken was watching the anger <laughs> exactly. So. <laughs> oh, that'll be like a very geeky, um, geeky yes. game show on TV. Yes, right? yes, indeed. Uh, and I gotta say that uh, this was—I'm, um, you know—I'm familiar, very familiar with the idea of these IFD Richard Harrison movies. Uh, but I, I've seen the screen captures of. Uh, of him with the Garfield phone and all of that, but this was the first one I'd ever seen. I am a, a IFD virgin. I don't. I don't think I'd seen any IFD movies before mm. this, so it was Corrupt. quite an education for me. I love corrupting. I love corrupting viewers. <laughs> I don't viewers. know if you were so <laughs> successful in that, but you know, I, and I am a, kind of a fan of Richard Harrison, but mainly from watching Euro cult movies from the '60s because I think that was kind of his heyday when he. Oh, yeah. uh, he, you know, he started out in American B movies and moved over to Europe in the '60s and was just became a leading man in all kinds of uh, Italian genre movies. He was in yeah. a bunch of Euro spy movies. He did uh, Secret Agent Fireball and Ring Around the World. Uh, gladiator Pebbles, movies. Gladiator movies. He did a lot of gladiator movies, spaghetti westerns. He played Ringo in one of the Ringo series. And he even did uh, a pretty good uh, Sergio Greco uh, Euro crime movie called Beast with a Gun in the in the early 70s. So he really got around. He's not a great actor, but he has kind of a and he's kind of blandly handsome. He has kind of a a tabula rasa quality that as long as you don't demand too much of him emotionally, he can be pretty <laughs> versatile. Um, you know, but. So this is the first time I've seen him in uh, in one of these Godfrey Ho movies, and it was uh, special. It was it was it was special. <laughs> all right. Are well, are they all like this? Is this representative of them, or is this? Uh, it, it quality comes and goes because the thing is with Richard, if if we're gonna talk that story a little bit, Richard says that uh, Joseph Lai, the head of IFT, and Godfrey Ho like uh, lied to him. They he was contracted to do one movie and they cut uh, they shot footage with him and cut him into several. Uh, that I'm sure happened to a degree, but I don't think he was in Hong Kong doing one like several month stint shooting footage. Mm. I think he was there several times and mm -hmm. there must have been a release or two of these kind of movies as they went along. I don't think IFD saved it all and then released it. You know, is it gone? Right. Like, release it! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, because yeah. uh, he has different hair and different facial hair in the movies uh, uh, throughout these movies like these maybe 20 or so movies that he was uh, cut into but I think it's uh, him uh, playing uh, a little bit of a victim role when I think he knew uh, a bit more what was going on but I think they yeah. did fuck him over for a little bit but, but yeah. not, not as much but I, I think Inferno Thunderbolt is uh, is uh, 
it's not obviously none of this is great cinema I think it's a more energetic IFD cinema uh, I would always recommend uh, people to watch like Ninja Terminator as like it's a tester okay mm-hmm. can you stand this cut and paste formula with uh, goofy ass ninja action which is admittedly pretty good at points when the Chinese mm-hmm. stuntmen, stuntmen start doing their thing and yeah. uh, can you stand like the illusion that this is that, that Fred Bear illusion that uh, they are trying to make this one movie but clearly it's two movies right uh, um, then Ninja Terminator is a kind of a good example it's actually one of the very 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 best source movies that they have because the Korean uh-huh. movie um, the Korean movie in um, Ninja Terminator is quite kick ass actually uh, okay. it's, a, it's a good action movie Wang Jung Lee is in it uh, very famous uh, Wang Jung Lee from uh, Drunken Master and Snake and Eagle Shadow um, Inferno Thunderbolt it's not the easiest recommendation but uh, I like yeah. this uh, modern stint if you will this Thunderbolt tear was mostly um, uh, action thrillers there is Ninja Thunderbolt right. so obviously there's, yeah. uh, there's that Ninja Thunderbolt was the first one released anyway that uh, Richard I'll did I'll check that, that one out I, I like yeah. it it's uh, the original movie uh, Taiwanese movie To Catch a Thief in uh, Ninja Thunderbolt it's pretty good it has Don Wong and uh, Yasuaki Karata so it has some good action there yeah, I mean, it seems like these movies would live or die on whatever the source movie they chose was, and I yeah. think, for me, one of the problems with, with I'm going to try this, Infernal Thunderbolt was no, that... No, good uh, enough. Infernal Thunderbolt! Good. Infernal Thunderbolt! <laughs> there you no, go. that sounds like, yeah, okay. Uh, for, for, from the stomach and upwards, Now I, I got so... Yeah, I wasn't using my diaphragm enough on that. <laughs> uh, I'll have to warm up next time. Um, now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, I just think that the anger was a, a very odd fit, you know, uh, an odd choice for a film to try and tack this kind of action plot line oh, onto, yeah. because the anger seems very much like a... It's more of a thriller. Yes. I mean, it's actually like a moody thriller. I mean, I think if anything could be called Taiwan noir. It, it's a movie like this. It's mm-hmm. a very noir, very dark, moody thriller. Kind of slow building, you know. Uh, a lot of it's sort of it's it's built more on suspense than a lot of uh, quick action. It kind of goes nuts at the end. There's kind of a nice action uh, sequence at the end, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't lend itself to to the sort of movie they're trying to make it into with this Harrison footage. But then again, they don't seem really that dedicated to. There was just something very sort of apathetic to me about the whole. <laughs> it gets whole more thing. apathetic, you know. <laughs> okay. You know, and, and the thing is, uh, this is not the only time IFD has uh, uh, put uh, their ninja action or modern day action versus a way different movie because there, there's mm-hmm. Diamond Ninja Force has a horror movie. Uh, in there, uh, which is great. Ninja Commandments has this very punishing Elsa Jung melodrama as its source mm-hmm. movie, which is great because that movie takes place over 30, 40 years and Elsa uh-huh. Jung uh, ages and what have you. But Richard Harrison and his stupid ninjas, they don't age <laughs> at all as they run along this, run along that plot like, hey, we exist too. Kind of. Is that the movie that she won all the awards for? I'm not uh, sure. I haven't looked okay. into awards for that, but she's really good. It's a movie called Ma Don't Die on My Back. Oh, uh, right. That's a great title. 
It's, it's a very good title. And, uh, she's really good in it. Has this horrible scar makeup uh, throughout that the half of the film. She's actually burnt at one point. So if I were to find that original uh, Elsa Young movie, I would love to take that uh, to the show. Uh, but I, I love when the contrast were like that because sometimes when I put uh, Richard Harrison or Stuart Smith or Bruce Barron uh, or even Pierre Kirby uh, next to these Thai actioners, they were really, really boring. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were waiting desperately for any uh, any Westerners to pop up uh, because uh-huh. the, those Sora Pong Chatri movies, uh, as much as I like him, those movies were really, really boring sometimes. Uh, Thai movies tend, even their action movies tend to be very, very talky. I'm not sure what that is, if that's a cultural thing or or mm-hmm. what, or it's or a budgetary thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, they tend to be very talky, and you find yourself waiting for those, yeah, those action scenes. Yeah, sure, sure they were uh, easy to pick up and cheap to pick up, which is uh, yeah. why IFD went off to Taiwan, I suppose. Definitely went off to Thailand in terms mm-hmm. of uh, sourcing the movies, and that, that's also a misconception with IFD is that they stole the movies. No, they oh, didn't. Yeah. They did. They sourced them. They were businessmen. They can't just steal movies left and right. The, the, the claims right. were these were unreleasable, unfinished movies. No, they were not. Re- yeah. <laughs> they were released in their own countries, but right. they, they they would have no chance on their own internationally most of the time. So, some got right. releases, but that's what IFD kind of tried to do for themselves. And they, maybe they were kind of, kind of fans every now and again of the original movies. Uh, so. Well, this was a very different time when national film industries, especially in smaller countries, were very insular to themselves. You know, you didn't have the internet to spread Thai and Thai and Korean and all these different movies where everyone knew about the release of the new, you know, whatever action movie in whatever mm-hmm. country. You know, people wouldn't know about these films, so it was kind of safe to, you know safety were reaching a fresh audience with them if you were uh, dubbing them into English and, and marketing them to the West and such. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how Richard Chen and Lee Liu Xiaofan play into the whole IFD um, um, situation because they're quite um, uh, fairly frequent in the IFD catalogue. Again, see, I think Richard possibly had um, picked his um, English name, if you will, so IFD didn't give him Richard. Uh, but Liu Xiaofan or Liu Xiaofan uh, was always credited as Fonda Lin in the IFD movies there because they recognized mm-hmm. aha that's her well let's just have one name for her and save time that way mm-hmm. <laughs> not having to re- rename someone all the time so IFD as we said they picked up and presented in whole uh, Girl with a Gun uh, Richard Chen's uh, Miss 45 remake as Fury in Red uh, Liu Xiaofan graced such movies as Deadly Darling which is Lady Avenger originally uh, as well as movies called Breakout from Oppression that's called Called Exposed to Danger originally mm. quite a good little thriller, thriller. features uh, the finale to Friday the 13th part 1 um, ri- ripped <laughs> off uh, <laughs> mm. it, it's not a slashy movie but that uh, beheading moment from Friday the 13th mm. ha- happens in Exposed to Danger and IFD obviously kept that too um, they, these are all retitles as I said but uh, neither of them were cut and paste they were merely dubbed by IFD and distributed internationally kind of again a little before the ninja craze happened when Joseph Lai acted upon his uh, like a desire to mimic uh, or echo or just tap into what Enter the Ninja was doing uh, because it really came from that uh, the inspiration came from what the impact of Enter the Ninja, uh, which was mm. uh, early 80s, so it took a few years before he either saw it or um, saw the opportunity to uh, to do something about it. So, um, so uh, 
it was it was not always as we said ninja action you know sometimes there were these movies sans eyeliner sans eyeliner and brightly colored ninja suits and sometimes mm-hmm. it became cop actioners like inferno thunderbolt you know a modern urban thriller if you will and right. um, it, one of the best that they did was majestic thunderbolt uh, because richard has this uh, it's a revenge plot yeah but he's way more um He's a thief, I believe, in that one. So he's not a cop. So, but he still has to act on, uh, act on, go on some revenge path. And mm-hmm. the Taiwanese movie Red Rattlesnake, I believe it's called, is so fucking brutal. And I love, I would love to see it originally, but it's, uh, it's some of the best Godfrey Ho footage ever directed in that one. It's very uh, moody at times. And then you got this kick-ass Taiwanese and gory and brutal movie as its source movie. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're being honest, of course, it's all barely possible in actuality. I mean, we're not talking good mm-hmm. movies here, but uh, mm. um, they were worse. You know, uh, Godfrey Ho's footage in Inferno Thunderbolt is uh, somewhat more solid than it usually is, you know. and uh, Really? It, yes, really. <laughs> <laughs> it gets worse. Okay. okay. Good to know. So, um, and uh, I mean, I, I will talk in front of about with you a little bit later, but uh, I, I, sh- I can say this that it's uh, it, the anger is a slow burner, only good for some freaky, gritty, and violent imagery, uh, as it is within Inferno Thunderbolt. But in the original that what I watch that I watch because it is available uh, was available on VCD, uh, the anger is a tad better because it shows uh, some. Uh, Signs of better signs of being tense and freaky. I think it's mm-hmm. due to the sound design. The original sound design is present uh, here, and Inferno Thunderbolt doesn't um, replicate that or attempt to as much. So that, therefore, it doesn't transform the anger into a masterpiece. But it is somewhat better to watch it um, as it is um, originally. If I'm um... yeah, I came out of this movie wishing I had seen the anger. Um... Because yeah, they very. It's very much like now, you know. Now we'll cut back to this movie. You know, it doesn't yeah. even. Yeah, it's what the. It's sort of. It remains untouched by the Richard Harrison sequences. One thing I wanted to ask you about in the anger was it seemed like in in this version that the character of Rockford, the young guy who we think is the boss until we find out that he's under his mom's thumb, is he's played as kind of a. Uh, I mean, he's still a bad guy, but he's played as kind of a tragic figure. Like, he's always talking about how lonely he's been his whole life and how uh, this woman, Allison, is like the only love he's ever had and if he should ever lose... You know, it's there's a lot of him soliloquies like that where he's mm. talking about how lonely his life has been. And it makes the... It, it's very melodramatic in that way. And I was wondering if that was something that they added or if that was the way it was in the uh, original. Essentially the same because uh, mm. uh, having watched the subtitle version and then hearing the dub afterwards, they they really replicate the script uh, quite faithfully, oh. you know. So... Um, so it's almost like they had a subtitled version there and essentially wrote the dub based on that uh, so right. yeah the character the, the character is uh, essentially the same not a super memorable character uh, mm-hmm. as such so um, but it, it's a good observation and it makes for it makes for a fairly interesting like template for a character obviously but uh, not uh, not character drama uh, up there with the best of them or anything yeah. um, worth noting uh 
väldigt geeky. Uh, but it is the same filming <laughs> co- it is the same filming company as uh, on the Society File of Shanghai, the filming company that broke uh, Lu Xiaofan and exposed her. And uh, and and really, I mean that movie is a political drama with some. She, she's really good in it. It has some key mm-hmm. scenes where she stabs herself in the chest, and that at one point, you know, and uh, almost loving it. You know, she's that mm. far gone. And uh, that was put on the poster. And subsequently, there were several more movies with that poster theme of uh, at least cleavage, because she, she was a well-endowed mm. woman, or she is a well-endowed woman, she's alive. Mm. Uh, so it, she was put into the commercial system that way, you know. Uh, we, we here, here are the boobies, kind of. They're, they're right. not, she, she's there, but it's not that, a booby right. flick. And uh, right. she... So, so it's funny that she got recognized as a dramatic actress first, and then um, you know got into was put into and gladly I mean, she, she was game, she was game, but she was put into co- the commercial machine and uh, and it was probably sound financial thinking uh, to uh, be part of these um, commercial movies, but but it wasn't uh, it didn't take very long because she before she got acclaimed again and got acting awards and what have you. So uh, it's this period where it's the most uh, shallow Lucia Fenn movies, and then she started to appearing uh, appearing uh, what seems like good dramas and not necessarily these uh, abstract uh, art house uh, films. Uh. Mm-hmm. Um, she's in uh, in as late as 1990. She's in a very good movie called uh, Song of the Exile, directed by uh, Hong Kong filmmaker An Hoi, mm-hmm. where she stars uh, with uh, Maggie Cheung. Uh, she plays the mother of uh, Maggie Cheung, but also plays her younger self. And uh, they don't do this uh, big old gross makeup uh, mm-hmm. effect on her. She just uh, throws a little bit of makeup and clothing choices appear very believably as a middle-aged mm-hmm. woman and a woman of in her 20s in flashbacks in that movie. Yeah. Uh, so I really like uh, Lucia Fenn, very good actress. Yeah. Uh, here it's, uh, you know, she's there and uh, she's fine and she's a game, but it's not the super memorable uh, movie yeah. to show people. I, mean, I found her appealing in this movie, and again, I wish I'd seen the anger, because obviously she's very much the protagonist of, mm-hmm. of the anger. I mean, it follows her story, and that's kind of taken away from with all of the uh, the Godfrey Ho sequences in in the ninja in whatever this movie's called <laughs> Inferno Thunderbolt. Inferno Thunderbolt. Um, you know, but I I thought she was she was fine, and and yeah, and that element of drama surprised me because it wasn't something I would expect to find in this movie. But obviously, they were going for a little bit of more depth, you know, than mm. just the a- action set piece to action set piece. Yeah. Um, What's actually missing, uh, which uh, a key thing that's missing that I think was very interesting, where Godfrey Ho, uh, what they took out was, uh, you may notice in Inferno Thunderbolt, she goes from, like, finding her sister dead, and uh, all of that is a right. suicide, and it seems like this big old... Um, uh, cover up to an extent, but there's also journalists being interested, really like uh, perversely, right. perversely interested in her death. Uh, but there's more. What I'm getting to is there's more lead up to her uh, going undercover on her own into the uh, yes, brothel. there is, yeah. Uh, because in the IFD version, she uh, essentially meets the Mama San 
immediately but there's a really nice sequence in the anger where she uh, because she starts out looking homely uh, she has glasses and isn't this uh, sex vamp yeah, right. or anything uh, right. but there is a makeup scene in she makes herself up in the anger and it seems like uh, she isn't uh, super adept at that uh, huh. but she also kind of breaks down in front of the mirror like this is um, she's scared and still emotional uh, because of her sister mm. just died um, but you know they had to take out something out of a 90 minute movie to make room right. for their own 90 minute movie and uh, it, it's uh, I, I understand the cut but it's one of the uh, better scenes that uh, the mm-hmm. anger has uh, and in front of a Thunderbolt doesn't. In front of Thunderbolt yeah. has uh, has uh, sex. Richard Harrison's sex oh, for God. a lot of for a lot and a lot of it. <laughs> God, yes, uh, yeah. Uh, one thing about the the, the Godfrey host sequences is that you see that they don't have, you know, not being. It not being part of the, it not having the structural integrity that a movie that's been made from start to finish has, mm-hmm. they don't seem to feel they have the luxury that uh, uh, another film might have of doing things like properly establishing your characters or your settings, or it's all just kind of free floating. Like yep. we don't know, you know, we we know Richard Richard Harrison's character is a cop because he says so, but we never see him, <laughs> you know, we never see him. The typical things we see him, even the most hack cop movies of the scene in the, you know, in the precinct and his captain chewing him out or whatever. And the same thing is his his wife Claire. Who's the investigative journalist? Journalist. All. I. It seems like they have to. Everything that, every scene they're in is inside this house. Like they're confined to this house. It's yeah. probably like Godfrey Ho's house or something. And they. And uh, so everything has to take place in there. So we just kind of have to take their word from the little piece of dialogue. You know, we don't see her doing any investigating. We just. She, we know she wants to take the Rockfords down, and she's. De- or, she's doing some kind of expose piece and so we just so basically we just see her sitting there typing diligently while Richard is out in the yard practicing his karate mm-hmm. and uh, you know it's very silly and then there's this and then there's now I'm going to now I'm going to bug you again cuz I'm going to talk about <laughs> how they need to establishing plot points and things like that and and it, it is kind of hypocritical because when things are too rote you're like oh it's so by the numbers it's so by the book but then when they don't do those things that are in the book you're like hey you know this is <laughs> inferior screenwriting but there's the scene where she comes home and finds her dog's head in the refrigerator like yeah. they beheaded her dog she didn't even have I, I, I didn't even know she had a dog they yeah, didn't show right. her even you're having right. a dog so when she opens the the refrigerator and sees the dog's head she's like my dog my dog <laughs> over and over again so that's how we know it's sort of andy all over again from yes. the first movie. <laughs> um, so i think i'm that's i think there was something else like that in this but i'm not going to i'm not going to dwell on that mm. aspect too much i mean i i i can't argue against it i mean I, the reason i think this is sharper godfrey whole footage compared to other stuff is that the, uh, i think um when i'm thinking about it it's more uh, connected to that it's a little bit more lively a little bit more uh, mm. uh, action uh, actually uh, more effective in the action really? department i mean her, okay. de- her her death is really for instance something that's way more effective very brutal yeah. It's very brutal and, very, and quite well staged for mm-hmm. a 
coming from Godfrey Ho or whoever directed that uh, particular movie because Godfrey Ho didn't direct everything sometimes Philip Coe was director Kofi uh, mm. but um, you know it's a, it's a, it's more possible than other uh, other footage in these ninja mm-hmm. movies uh, Majestic Thunderbolt is pretty solid actually it seems like they were you know Godfrey Ho is an apt director he can make actual movies and has so, you know before and since so I mean it's mm-hmm. not like he's uh, the Ed Wood of Asia as such uh, although yeah. these movies are not the ones to show to, and convince people that he, 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 yeah. he's a good guy he, he can do it you know <laughs> he tries <laughs> yeah uh, that that sex scene was pretty trying for me though I can't yeah. really think of two people I would have less wanted to see <laughs> naked than those two um, that was pretty brutal and it's also one of those like classic soft 80s softcore sex scenes where it's really just boob nuzzling like Richard Harrison you know, nuzzling her boob for like what you know, what looks like an hour. You know, <laughs> it's like every scene he's just no, he's still just he's, he's he's a boob man. Obviously, it it was that that. And then at the end when he finally gets his revenge, the the gore of his of him blowing the guy away. I don't think I'm spoiling the movie by saying nah, that. No worries. Anyway. Um, is intercut with flashbacks back to that sex scene. Yeah. And oh, and speaking of needle drops, and while that's happening, you hear Lalo Schifrin's um, Scorpio theme from the Dirty original Harry, Harry playing yeah. that that sort of very ghostly theme. But yeah, so you get the, another glance of that sex scene while he, he's riddling the bad guy with bullets. <laughs> so yeah, it's a uh, very uh... <laughs> it was very. Very bad, bad. It's, it's actually for them a quite a good action scene because even squib, mm-hmm. squibs were not a, their thing. You know, blood was not their mm-hmm. thing. They didn't uh, have ninja action a la, you know, fucking Shogun assassin or anything. You didn't have any uh, casca- cascades of blood or what have you. So, I mean, I, I appreciated it on that level too that, hey, mm. they could have fought squibs. Finally, yeah. you know, wow. Yeah. Um, go back a little to uh, Lucia Fenn, you know, a very intense and game actress. Um, uh, she she came at her acting you know with craft skills and and, and seemed to either be put in a lot of like uh, gritty like tough dramatic um, scenarios but she it's she seemed game to like get her nose dirty and uh, Lady Avenger is a great example of that and mm. uh, and I love really love more than within Inferno Thunderbolt her character's uh, vulnerable she's very vulnerable and uh, yes. she's uh, she's going into this world that is um, very like uh, it's am it's ambience is very uh, good and the atmosphere mm-hmm. uh, helps uh, helps us along to like dig the anger a lot more especially when right. you're in mandarin uh, so l- there's lots of darkness and shadow play and uh, right and they sh- yeah there's a there's a great scene where she has there's a whole thing about how she has to get a copy of this key and get into the i think it's their the rockford's wine cellar or something or mm-hmm. but she goes down to this dark cellar and you hear the mother coming after her it's very suspenseful and she's like yeah and she's very good does a good job of acting terrified throughout that so. And, and it's not far-fetched uh, that Richard Chen was capable of this. I mean, his Miss 45 remake ripoff is actually quite atmospheric, and the lead performance mm. is uh, quite good, even though it's tailored off the 
uh, Zoe Lund's uh, performance a whole lot, but uh, yeah. I, I really like uh, his take on it. And uh, you know, everything is derivative uh, when all is said and done. So uh, sure. if, even though that is very open with uh, what it's doing, but uh, hey, you know, the Taiwanese cinema audience probably possibly never got exposed to Miss Forty Five. He did and wanted mm. to show show like his audience. Uh, uh, something cool, even though he took all the credit for it. But uh, right, you know, right. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so, so there is a decent mystery here, and uh, and uh, this uh, when you meet the son, you know, Lam Joy Pao's character, it's uh, you don't know if this is uh, going to be this super harsh uh, bad guy or anything, or he, but because in the first scene where he's in uh, the jacuzzi and what have you, he comes off as this. Uh, Rough character who just mm-hmm. takes what he wants. You know, he has his uh, the the constant uh, present uh, actress Pauline Wong as this uh, uh, femme fatale kind of assistant that's um, uh, hovering around the movie. She's in yeah, this scene. Yeah, I liked her. She, she's very good. She's in very she's in quite a bit of uh, uh, in these movies and a uh, very sexy presence often. She's even in Mr. Vampire 2 actually playing the uh, mother of the kid vampire in Mr. Vampire 2. Oh, so, okay. So uh, that was when I first saw her. Uh, the anger won't rock your world with this uh, scenario, but it's the fair darkness, the uncertainty of the world she's in, and this quiet frame is uh, quite uh, alluring. Yeah, for for yeah. the first half anyway. First half anyway. I think yeah, there there are good um, unexpected uh, kind of imagery during the second half, but the romance that they engage in isn't necessarily in the anger any anything emotional or anything. Despite mm. she actually acting undercover and possibly is not loving right. him at all you know uh, uh, well that was the surprising thing to me because I thought that the way his character was initially established that she would just be his kept woman and he wouldn't she would just be sort of his plaything, you mm-hmm. know and that he wouldn't have any emotional attachment but what they established is that he is really in love with her yeah. you know and she's like the love of his life which is was kind of surprising you know on top of the fact that he turns out to be uh, mama's boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Ma- Mama from the wheelchair and her like uh, hi- hidden harpoons or what have you. Her spear firing yeah. wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you. Uh, I didn't want that to escape unremarked. Yeah. I I like the actress who played the the mom too. Uh, Gua Ali. I, yes. I, I'm not familiar with her, but she was very. She was a very uh, threatening presence, and I yeah I loved her. Uh, her spear firing wheelchair I also love the fact that even though she's playing the matriarch of the Rockford clan she calls her son Rockford you know which mm. if you think about it's kind of weird to call <laughs> your son by his last name but uh, anyway that I, I, I don't remember me. the uh, corresponding yeah. subtitles there yeah. maybe IFD just messed up there while they were this is probably it. how they dubbed it it's probably in the dub Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised but the uh, Finally, like the freaky imagery of uh, Inferno Thunderbolt and the Anger, obviously, is that uh, the, the Rockfords, who are into obviously drug smuggling and murder to an extent, also run this asylum where they perform uh, whenever it's convenient for them, when they want someone to disappear. They have subjects for what seems like uh, electroshock therapy. Yeah. Uh, and it leads to some very. Uh, that's the climax, and it leads to some very. 
when I say freaky, it's because Richard Chen is one that uses slow motion quite well. There's a fight scene in strobe lights, for whatever reason, uh, yeah. with uh, Don Wong versus the security guards, which is a simple, basic, kind of dull scenario. But mm-hmm. the way Richard uses slow motion, which is an extension of his fandom, I think, of the slow motion in Miss 45, I think he extends it and then uses it well for it well for his own new art if you will uh, I think it looks um, with the strobe lights and the sound design it's uh, quite uh, freaky and not to mention the fact that Lu Xiaofan versus Pauline Wong leads to Pauline Wong getting I think either one needle or two needles of uh, yes. the, uh, either the poison or the uh, sedatives injected into her breast it's yeah it's it's one hypodermic needle but it's like a big cartoon hypodermic needle it's like really big and yeah she shoves it right into her breast which is pretty mm. i got to say the 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 yeah the climax of the anger within uh inferno thunderbolt uh is very satisfying Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, a, and when it goes into that asylum, it's, yeah, it gets really freaky really fast, and there's all the creepy nurses and all the creepy guys in surgeon's masks uh, going around. It, it it almost feels like some weird rocky horror kind of thing. And then, mm-hmm. and then there's, yeah, and then that, the fight with, um, uh, you know her boyfriend uh, fighting uh, all the guards. Uh, uh, that's the famous martial arts actor Don Wong who, Don from Wong, from yeah. Secret Rivals and what have you. Right. So. Yeah. And then and then the fight between yeah her and the uh, femme fatale. Yeah. Really great. And then uh, so it ends very satisfyingly. Except now we have to wrap up the Richard Harrison story. So it's weird. It kind of like you know it's like rewind and then we have to. You know, close out the Richard Harrison story, which has never integrated into the larger story of 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 the anger at all. So it's just like, okay, now we have to finish this other movie we were making at the same time. And <laughs> the, the illusion is Fred Bear. I mean, I, I, if I'm being honest with you, I when I wrote my review, at least I I thought like the effect of this being one, if you showed it to a super new viewer, mm. might pause. But when I watch it now, I'm thinking, especially when I watched The Anger right before, it stands out like a sofa. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. they're, they're, they're connecting it via... Uh, because whenever there's phone calls in the original movie, Godfrey Ho and Joseph Lai were mm. happy campers because that means they could have phone conversations, uh, film right, phone conversations. The yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The, yeah. the, be- the best part was when they actually uh, took scenes from the other movie and shot their actor against a similar background and made them be in the same right. room, which was is as convincing as it sounds. Right. But yeah, <laughs> but here they didn't even, you know, they didn't even really try. Uh, it's but, like yeah. one uh, one phone call at the beginning of the movie where Claire calls what is uh, Lucia Fenn's mother. In the, ang- in the anger, she's actually called up by a journalist and is really like, leave me alone, leave me alone! But here they kind of like uh, make the footage more calm because they dub it uh, with Claire saying like, "Oh, I'm a journalist. Hello, can I have some right. information on blah blah blah?" Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I what I compare it to is I think of um, you know uh, Roger Corman bought made a lot of movies like this where he'd buy foreign films and he'd take the footage he wanted and then he'd weave them into new footage that he shot, but that compared to this was very meticulous like he bought a package of uh 
Eastern Bloc science fiction films. Mm-hmm. Um, but he would take great pains to like a, a film like uh, Planet of Blood, uh, where he took this Russian sci-fi film uh, and and edited the footage in. Great pains were taken. He got like a look-alike actress to the lead actress in the other film, and it actually was it was pretty seamless. Pretty, mm-hmm. you know, at least there was an effort made. It was it's even when you see the seams and you see what they were trying to do to tie it in, you can at least see that there there was an attempt, you know, an effort being made to do it. And and compared to this, where it's just like they just kind of plop this other footage on top of the other movie and it's just it just kind of sits there yeah. and poor Richard Harrison uh, I never noticed he was cross-eyed before is that this movie? I've never is seen this, it this I, I've never seen it at all <laughs> yeah he's like he's cross-eyed wow. maybe it's because how much he had to drink to make it through it I don't wow. know but uh, yeah I gotta say I found this one kind of dreary and, and tedious I did not it did not convert me to the to the IDF cause, but I will watch. What is it, Ninja Thunderbolt or? Uh, ni- I, I would recommend Ninja Terminator actually. And, Ninja uh, Terminator. And if you okay. happen to like that, Majestic Thunderbolt because that yeah. uh, shows again it's a kick-ass Taiwanese movie. Originally, the Godfrey Ho footage is quite energetic, and they okay. do some of the better editing between movies. There's a scene in Red Rattlesnake that is the source, as I said, where two characters are having a uh, standoff with uh, guns. It's a Russian roulette kind of scene. Mm-hmm. And uh, the way it plays out when the characters gets shot uh, by the other characters uh, in the leg or arm or what have you. But mm-hmm. uh, IFD edited in Richard's character from uh, he sits on a rooftop and I, he is the one shooting the other character, and mm. they cut and they cut out the original shot, and that's actually seamless editing. For they were trying, mm. so it, it kind of depends on. The, there's two or three examples where they did try and f- did fairly well, considering uh, the quality in some of their other movies. So mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll um, Ninja Terminator, and if that works, Majestic Thunderbolt. If that works, I got a world of magic for you, Todd. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All uh, right. You know, uh, stuff like Ninja Commandments is just great, as I said, because the original movie is so different. And that mm-hmm. contains my favorite line reading in any uh, IFD movie. Um, because they, 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 they came up with these stupid... Uh, I, I say stupid, they're odd names that you don't expect to hear in mm-hmm. movies, necessarily. Right. Of their uh, new their characters... Uh, from the Taiwanese original, for instance, they named them. So it opens with the ninja sitting down in front of their master, and he is about to speak to them, and he mm. says, "You all may wonder where Rodney and Janet are." <laughs> and it's like Rodney and Janet, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did a great job with this movie too. I mean, Mabel, who, who's yeah. named Mabel, and then uh, and then Pauline Wong's character, who's supposed to be this big femme fatale. I think her name is Sandy. Yeah, possibly. As Mabel yeah. and Allison and Rockford are the only ones I remember of family. Okay, and uh, yeah. the original name of the family in the anger is the Ma family. So yeah. I probably uh, put too much effort into figuring out what people's names are and probably lose other other uh, you know uh, significant details. You know, yeah, Don Wong was named Rico. And, uh, yeah, <laughs> but the best is naming uh, Richard Harrison and Claire Angela's characters Richard and Claire. I love when movies do that; like they don't trust the actors to remember different names than their own, which uh, 
it, it makes it easier for stupid viewers like me to, hey, yeah. I can connect it. <laughs> right, exactly. They did that in Hong Kong movies too. Like Andy Lau played Andy a whole lot of times in mm-hmm. uh, Hong Kong movies, like uh, in his early career. Like, uh, you know, so it's uh, uh, it's easy. It's easy. Uh, makes it easy for me. Um, as for availability of uh, the respective ones, uh, Bianca was available as part of the Ocean Shores catalog, and they released a VCD. I don't think there was a Laserdisc or, or VHS of it. Uh, and that was a cropped uh, print, uh, but uh, the subtitles, uh, it's a 2.35 movie originally, but Ocean Shores often redid the subtitles to fit the cropped uh, frame, even though they were still the grammatically incoherent subtitles, they uh, reformatted them for the frame, which is um, a good choice. Um, so that's that. It's actually out of print now, so you can't get it. Um, or if it turns up, it uh, doesn't turn up often. Inferno Thunderbolt had official releases on VHS only, like in uh, Greece and uh, and uh, I wrote Japan. It's actually Germany. I think and I don't think Japan ever got uh, Inferno Thunderbolt, but there's nothing officially on disc for Inferno Thunderbolt. So use tapes or torrents uh, is your best bet if um, you want to see uh, Richard Harrison play Richard. So. Set to Dirty Harry's uh, right. <laughs> Dirty Harry score, <laughs> right? Uh, but it's a good score, so why not? And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think Lalo Schifrin necessarily uh, was begging for money on the street just because Godfrey Ho and company right. stole this score. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so that's that. Uh, we aren't ready to announce the next batch of films yet to cover for the next episode, as there are some preliminary plans of mine in the air that I want to kind of. Uh, create the foundation for before I announce anything so look in the Facebook group for updates in terms of what Taiwan Noir is doing next uh, so if those plans don't work out then uh, you and I will get together and kind of co-program an episode possibly and see, uh, yeah. see if you, yeah, you have something I have some uh, oh, cool 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 uh, but alright this has been Taiwan Noir on the Podcast of Fire Network podcastonfire.com is the website for this uh, show and the other shows and the bonus episodes Email podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Facebook, like our page, facebook.com forward slash POF network. Join the discussion group, type in podcast on fire network in the search bar to reach that. Tweet us, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. My writing of all this nonsense that we discussed tonight, uh, sogoodreviews.com. It's, uh, I'll gladly write about this nonsense, I'll tell you. Uh, sogoodreviews.com and sleazykvideo.com for the little video reviews. And I tweet that, twitter.com forward slash sogoodreviews.com reviews Taiwan or is on iTunes subscribe to us if you like uh, uh, accessing your podcasts that way and if you like the show please leave a little star rating and a written comment a sentence or two will do just fine and we'll be happy to to take you take your verdict uh, via two sentences or one and uh, you can also if you don't like downloading a podcast to your device uh, you can stream us via Stitcher Radio it's available online but the smoothest way to do so is through the application to your iPhone iPad or Android and once you're in their their app type in Taiwan Noir and uh, that will get you the option to listen to us or add us to your favorites and the uh, Golden Ninja Warrior Chronicles Chronicles uh, Taiwan uh, movies as used by IFD or Filmark or just uh, works on uh, IDing 
uh, obscure Taiwanese movies that the IFD or Filmark never picked up uh, themselves. The, it's just the work that needs to be done to put English titles on certain Taiwanese movies. That's a, a good uh, a good endeavor. So check out that blog. It's linked to in the show post. And uh, that's our plugs. And uh, in short, uh, your plugs again, uh, Todd. You you slacker, you who have nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, again, uh, check out my blog. Die danger, die die kill. That's die danger, die die kill. Blogspot.com, uh, and uh, and uh, I do some other things, but I'm so tired now. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> Infernal Brains, we're back in business. We did a really good episode on uh, movies with all animal casts, which if you didn't wow. check it out, you should. It was a really good one. Uh, Fighting Femmes, Fiends, and Fanatics, uh, and both of those have. Uh, Facebook pages as well, so check those out. Um, and and uh, and I just did a, a article on the search for Wang Wang, which is Andrew Liebold's long in the making documentary about the uh, midget Filipino spy movie star Wang Wang, um, which were you know everybody in the know is excited about it, and I was very happy to have a chance to watch it and write about it. So check that out, and uh, and and that's about it. Yeah, we'll link to all those endeavors and uh, including that article in the show post so you can access that. Actually, I have For Your Height only on DVD, but I haven't watched it yet. But uh, it'll be a good time to maybe get the documentary and watch at least that movie yeah. and uh, see what it's like. I have the DVD, uh, but I've only seen Challenge of the Tiger, which is on that DVD as well. All right, it, it, yeah. It's a double bill between the Bruce uh, La movie. I think it's yeah. Bruce La. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's Isn't another story. Richard Harrison in that one? Yes, he's in that. Well, I, yeah, I just directed, remembered. Did he direct that one? Uh, he directed the nudie footage I've heard. The uh, slow motion <laughs> oh, tennis match. The oh, slow motion tennis no, match. That was Richard. It. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's well, actually no, Bruce Lowe who directed uh, that movie. Oh, okay. uh, featuring an uncredited appearance by Jane Seymour. Oh. They 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 stole some footage at some fucking airport that she arrived at, and they managed to get Bruce Law <laughs> in there to shake her hand uh-huh. and whoever whoever she was with at the time. Uh-huh. And you you just think that she thought like who the fuck was that? <laughs> and where's that camera doing there? Hey, run! <laughs> right, her her whole security team got fired that day. I think so. So yeah. it's like uh, she she's in on IMDb like uncredited for that movie. So. <laughs> So uh, if you if you think you've seen the entire Jane Seymour filmography, you got to check right. out Challenge of the Tiger too yeah. and really complete it. So, yeah. the, but that's another story. That's us for this episode of Taiwan Wars. So I've been uh, Kenny B with me was Todd Statman. So say bye, buddy. Happy trails, folks. Mm-hmm.